Welcome to Hiraith, the home of modern Welsh politics. As part of our series on local government, we are interviewing a series of local government leaders. Tonight, we speak to Hugh Thomas, the Labour councillor for the Spot Ward and leader of Cardiff Council since 2017. Hello, Hugh. Hello, Matt. Thank you very much for coming to talk to us. Often we hear in the media about the issues that impact UK or Welsh governments, but we rarely hear, I think, a lot about what's impacting local government. So to you, what are some of the major challenges being faced by uh, the local governments across Wales at the moment? Yeah, thanks, Matt, and thanks for having me on. And, and that's a great first question, and I think it makes a good, a good point in the question, actually, that you know, there is a bit of a deficit in terms of information, in terms of what the media covers as far as local government uh, is concerned. And um, more often than not, the, uh, the media attention only comes to local government when something is going wrong, which we obviously try and avoid. So what's happening then? I mean, funding, I think, continues to be a source, uh, a, a, an ongoing source of concern or challenge. You know, your listeners will be aware of the public sector austerity that um, local government's been, uh, been enduring for, um, over, for over a decade. You know, and, and in Wales, to, to a certain degree, we've been protected to a greater extent than uh, councils in, in England and Scotland, albeit, um, you know, the Welsh government, absolutely in line with, with their manifesto priorities, um, have been prioritising health. So to give people a scale of what austerity has meant uh, in the case of Cardiff, we've made savings of around £250 million pounds, uh, over the last decade um, through public sector austerity. Now, the, uh, the current budget settlement for the forthcoming financial year is unique, uh, certainly in my time as a councillor. I was first elected in 2012, in that it actually provides positive budget growth uh, over and above the pressures that certainly Cardiff, Cardiff is facing. So that's the first time we've had that kind of budget growth um, in the last nine years and hugely welcome. But of course, what we are not certain of is what um, the state of that will be in the medium term. Um, there's you know, definitely a strong suspicion out there, particularly if uh, somebody like Rishi Shunak becomes prime minister, that we will face another period of public sector um, spending cuts. And you know, the, there is no fat left in local government now. You look across Wales, you'll have stories of, of service cuts and, and, and reduced provision. So it is a, it is a pretty lean, lean machine. So um, that is one certainly uh, area of, um, of challenge and concern. And then obviously, you know, we, we are, I hope, coming out of COVID now. But I think that's, that brave new world is one I think that we are still um, seeking to understand. What is the future of um, the world of work and how does that work, not just in relation to how councils operate, but frankly to how city centres and town centres work. If Welsh Government have stated, haven't they, they want to see 30% of people working from home from now on don't have an issue with, with, with that policy per se. And I think reducing traffic volumes is, is, is a good thing. But that means we have to rethink, in my view, how city centres and, and town centres operate. There's an unfair playing field, playing field when it comes to business rates, um, when you compare the, your local high street with online shopping. Um, so what will central government do around that? Uh, and what is the impact then of that or any failure to, to address that on you know, the vibrancy of, of the areas that, that, that we govern as, as local councils. So, yeah, probably ongoing fund, funding and what does uh, a renewal post-COVID look like? Those are probably the two um, main issues flagging red. And linked to the, to the second one, obviously, is um, the cost of living crisis. In Cardiff, and I'm taking a long time to answer this question, Matt, this, is, uh, this may be the fe a feature of the podcast, right? 
in Cardiff, we've got you know stated ambitions around tackling inequality, and you know we'll, I'm sure we'll talk um, tonight about some of the work we've been doing as a council uh, to that end. We control some pretty limited levers, frankly, when it comes to addressing inequality compared with what, what people have to spend their household bills on, and compared to the levers open to Welsh government and certainly UK government. So we all see it coming down towards us as, as a tsunami in terms of rising costs of living. And I'm genuinely worried how that will play out, uh, you know, not just in, in places that are already grappling with poverty, but actually, you know, for working families as well. Obviously, Cardiff Council will do everything that we can to support, but we're not going to be able to do that on our own. We'll, we'll get back to levers in a second here, but we'll tackle funding first. So it's been a major issue, like you say, for the government for the past decade or, and perhaps more. But I think this has been brought again into sharp focus, really, with the process related to the Share Prosperity Funding and other EU replacement funds. How would you describe that process for yourselves in local government and sort of what impact has it had on local government funding levels? I mean, not straightforward is probably the easiest way I can characterise it. It's a slightly different situation uh, in Cardiff's case to some other local councils. So given uh, Cardiff's access to um, Objective 1 uh, money, as, as, as was, was fairly limited, there hasn't been maybe as direct an impact on the funding of some ongoing projects, albeit there are examples I, I could point to you. So, um, you know, we have a, an interwork service, actually, that's, that's hugely successful, operating out of our community hubs in linking up people looking for work, providing them with some training and, and skills, kind of supplementing and maybe with a more human base, what, what the DWP does, with actually a really strong track record of um, getting those people into employment then. And that was a programme in receipt of European funds. Um, so local government leaders had a call with um, Michael Gove uh, in the last few weeks, and I raised this point with him personally, um, that we are still waiting confirmation for success of funds to that programme, and we're still waiting. And I think, frankly, where we'll end up is the council will have to make the choice to fund that programme itself. So still waiting, I think, is how I'd characterise you know, the, the, the money com- coming down the line to replace uh, EU, EU funds. It is certainly not the kind of, not, not a powerless, not a penny lost mantra that Welsh Government had been setting as, as the challenge to, to UK Government. And, you know, the levelling up fund, it's a great tagline, but I think we're still waiting to see what it means in, in reality. You know, one of the things that struck me as to, you know, how funds were distributed in, in the first round, you know, Cardiff wasn't successful in, in its bid to upgrade the Cardiff market. You know, we'd, we'd gone with that because it was a, shovel-ready project in the city centre, all about attracting people back into the city centre post-COVID. A couple of million wasn't successful. You know, there is certainly not, it's not complementary in terms of the projects I'm seeing funded with um, Welsh government um, strategy. And, you know, it feels pretty piecemeal, not targeted in a particular way to alleviate poverty, for example, in a way that myself and other Labour um, Labour councils, Labour, Labour politicians may want to see. You know, it feels like it would be a good way for a Conservative government to say, here's 10 million or 20 million that we are pumping in the direction of this particular constituency. At the moment, certainly lacks a strategic overview. One of the allegations about this funding is it's forcing local governments to compete against each other for the same pots of money. How do you think that compares to previous systems and how money was allocated to local governments before from this basically what is successor EU funding? I don't know. I mean, look, a bit of competition is good because it, it focuses minds and, frankly, does weed out 
projects that don't need funding. And I think if we're going to be critical and honest, we would have to look at some of the projects that got funded through European Union funding, ask the question, what, what difference did they make? And, and, I'm, and I'm, I'm asking that you know, with a challenging mindset, because some of the areas in receipt of the greatest amount of EU funding in Wales were also the ones that voted most heavily for Brexit. So, so what, you know, what's gone wrong there? What, what's, what's the disconnect? I just mentioned your last question about this lack of kind of strategic overview, and that's exactly what I'm talking about, really, when you come when in, when it comes to kind of that competition element, because the way each local authority thus far, certainly in Wales, responded to levelling up opportunity was on an individual basis. You know, everybody put their own bid in, quite often with a shovel-ready project that they were finding money. You know, they were going to try and find money for anyway, and it was ready to go. And this was a good way of getting it funded, as opposed to a more kind of coherent regional approach, or at least partnering approach. Uh, of here's a regional scale project that is in the benefit of our local authority and a neighbouring local authority to get delivered together. We're going to bid together. That's not happened yet. I, I'm not saying it never will, but I think. You know, some moves to give a bit more coherence to what the government is trying to achieve through the local through the levelling up fund, I think would be necessary to push local authorities in the main to, to work in that way. You talk about working with other local authorities. What is your view on the sort of the future role of city deals, regional partnerships, uh, organisations such as the Western Gateway, and uh, even the the much questioned CJCs in the future of local government in Wales? <laughs> I mean, I mean, the first thing to say is actually the my experience of regional working in in southeast Wales on the Cardiff Capital Region City Deal uh, has been remarkably positive. Uh, I mean, I really do think that that needs saying. And you know, you've got ten authorities there. You know, two Tory or one one changed colours midway through. Two independent, six Labour, Valleys, City, M4 Corridor. So a re- a real mix. And in the main. Uh, over the last five years, we've we've made it work, and personal relationships have, have certainly played a part. But I think you know th- there has been a, a, a shared sense of purpose forged, and kind of you know an, an appreciation. Okay, just because an investment goes into Newport doesn't mean that's bad for Cardiff, or doesn't that mean that's bad for 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 Caerphilly? You know, there's there's a, always a little bit of tension. You know, people want money spent on patch. But I think it's—I certainly describe the experience as as, as positive uh, in in the main. My concern with with regional working, and this is not a reason to not do it, but I think it's a reason to go into it with your eyes open, is that you are further removing not not just backbench councillors, but actually also the people that they represent, ordinary people from the decision making process. Right. So city deal is made up of a a joint cabinet of of the ten leaders of the authorities. You know, and that is the ultimate decision-making body. So there is political accountability, but it's still through that one person reporting back. The way City Deal has been constituted and the way we seem to be moving on, on uh, corporate joint committees, and this is probably my, my, my biggest fundamental issue with, with CJCs, even though I think they've, they've got a role to play, is that it essentially operates on a one-member, one-vote basis. So um, I, as the, the leader of Cardiff, 365,000 people, um, have the same weight around that table as um, a leader of a, an authority that's maybe a quarter of the size. And I think, to me, that's, that suggests that, you know, something of a, of a democratic deficit. However, that's how it's been constructed. That's what we've got to work, uh, work, work within. I do think there are certainly projects that are of regional significance and that require regional working. 
the, the idea of a, a kind of strategic uh, regional plan, for example, I think is is well made. Likewise, a strategic uh, transport plan, and you know that that builds on the work that regional transport um, consortia within within City Deal was was doing. And I think CJCs could also give local authorities tool on on a different footprint as well. You know, so education is in the mix and. The footprint of the education consortia are, are different to the, to the footprint of city deal as is so there could be some some interesting options there as well and you you mentioned western gateway then matt and to me the the, the advantage or the strength something like that brings is you know one recognizing the economic reality that particularly between cardiff newport and bristol there is an awful lot of commuting people working in those different cities uh, and also some pretty good synergies in terms of the economies of, of, of those areas. But actually, both Southeast Wales and the Southwest miss out you know, to significant levels on um, UK government spending, particularly when it comes to infrastructure. Um, you know, Bristol and Cardiff um, will both take an economic hit because of High Speed 2, for example. Now, I'm not, I'm not opposed to High Speed 2. I think it's an important investment in the rail network of that part of the country but not at the expense of investment in, in South Wales. You know, I, I think it is an absolute nonsense, an, an absolute disgrace even, um, that there's no planet consequential of, of that project because, you know, Cardiff and, and surrounding areas are going to be disadvantaged. You know, and if you're the leader of Manchester or, or the leader of Leeds, of course you're going to be talking effusively about the advantages that HS2 brings to, to those cities. And... What we are saying and, and using Western Gateway really as a leverage to you know, louden our voices saying we need equivalent funding from central government into this corner. Are you in favour of local government reform, you, in the way that we traditionally envisage it, changing the number of councils in Wales? <laughs> uh, at the danger of making myself unpopular with fellow leaders, I'm, I'm not opposed to it, no. You know, and, and when this was mooted before CJC's, you know, I think it was back in the day when uh, Alan Davis was um, was minister. I think Cardiff was more open to it than most. It's viewed as one of these sort of Welsh political third rails, though, isn't it? It's <laughs> it's you touch it and you 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 lose your ministerial career. So how how would the Welsh government go about doing this? There there, there is a feeling that it would have to be a sort of bottom up approach rather than a top down approach. But you know we've been talking about this now for however long these councils have been in existence. So it doesn't feel like we're getting anywhere with that process. So from your eyes, if a Welsh government minister was to go about this process, how would they have to do it? Well, you know, what's, um, what's funny is that they almost got there, Welsh government. I think it was with the proposals that came forward with Leighton Andrews, um, I think it was 20, kind of 2016, where in particular expressions of interest for, a, for voluntary mergers were, were considered. And I think you did have two or three examples of councils jointly together coming forward to, to accept merging, merging together. And actually, even on that scale, you know, reducing from 22 to around 18, where, you know, some of the very small councils mer merge together, you know, I, think, I think even that would, would clean things up a little bit. And, and that's not, let me be clear, <laughs> let me be clear before uh, I pull the house down on myself in, in, in local government families, I think if I was a if I was a leader of a, of a small council, I would say there are plenty of good examples of stuff that we do better than than big councils. And I think I think that's fair. But I think I'm also seeing examples where you know councils, small councils, don't have the scale to achieve what what they need to achieve. So 
you're either going to have to collaborate regionally, and I guess that's that's what's happening instead, or you merge. Jury's out, I think, and we'll see how it plays out over the next five years on, on whether CJCs becomes the vehicle for really deep collaboration. So the other way you could reform local government, of course, is by giving more power to local government. Do, do, do you think that would be the right thing to do? And are there any areas in which you think you would have benefited from having greater powers in Cardiff Council? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, and the, and, the, and the old line is that, that devolution um, stopped in Cardiff Bay. I'm not saying that even critically, and you know, I think that reflects just the journey that devolution in Wales has has been on. But 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 I think you know, generally on a UK level, um, and you know, England and Scotland as well, we are a very centralised country, uh, and, and where devolution happens, it then devolves to to a centralised you know to a centralised devolved body. I mean, the area I would draw particular attention to is um, is tax raising powers, right? So if you look at the majority of cities in, in Europe or North America, um, I'm talking cities, they retain, you know, as much as 50% of the tax base within, within those areas. In the UK, the figure is more like 7%. So, you know, I was talking earlier about the levers councils have to, to affect change. But when you only control 7% of your tax take, as opposed to 40-50%, um, by definition, your, your levers are going to be more, more restricted. Um, you know, there's been some talk about tourism tax as, as one of those levers. I, I certainly think that's something to, to be looked at where that is controlled and, and levied locally. You know, all sorts of issues about VAT um, in, in, in that mix. So it's, so it's not straightforward. But even that, as a limited local levying uh, ability, is, is touching at the edges, really, of um, you know, what, what, else, what else could be done. I mean, in England, for example, they've had the creation of the, of the Metro Mayors, which has brought together sort of broader powers and more in, in more powerful figurehead figures. Do you think that system could ever work in Wales? I mean, I mean there's no reason why it couldn't be made to work in the same way that it's been made to work uh, in, in England. But I, I actually think that the picture of devolution in England is a pretty messy one. You know, you don't have to look. You don't have to look very far um, to see examples of where there's a, a metro mayor figurehead. And one of the areas where they really do succeed is getting some media attention, often because they're former MPs and you know the the London um, lobby journalists know who they are. But they're able to, to to draw attention to themselves. But then, in in terms of their actual delivery capability, that still rests with the local councils um, that that sit beneath them. And, you know, more often than not, you know, they, they've got very different agendas. So to take a recent, you know, if you look at Bristol and um, West of England, uh, until last May's election, when the Metro Mayor became uh, a, a, a Labour politician, you had a, a Conservative Metro Mayor there who had basically been elected uh, on a campaign in opposition to Bristol, right? So it was the the, the, the surrounding countryside around Bristol voting for him, contrary to the agenda of the, the mayor of Bristol, which doesn't seem to me to be a, a clever way of, of establishing you know, devolved regional government either. Let's move on to the, to the upcoming election here. So in the last, the last election in 2017, there was a turnout of around 42%. So late with, and 
this is Kerry from the, our, our parish here with the facts and figures here. So if, correct me if I'm wrong at any point, but he he sa- he says in the in this in this question that Labour took control of Cardiff with about twenty percent of the other talks in Cardiff. I mean that's that's fine. It's the system we have. You know, you can only win the votes that people cast. But do you have any concerns about sort of level of engagement in local politics in Cardiff and and how that can be worked on to improve turnout in the upcoming election? I mean, I'd like everybody to vote, and I'd like everybody to vote for me. Um, <laughs> so that would be very nice. Um, you know, we we spoke right at the start of the conversation about what what the media covers, and I think there is a, I think there are a couple of misunderstandings out there about what councils do, uh, what councils can do, and 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 who runs them. You know, none of, none of that supports greater turnout. I'm afraid. I've heard criticism of the way. Cardiff Council, for example, engages with with people and and talks about what it's doing. Well, now our Twitter account, for example, has got one hundred thousand followers um, by now. You know that's you know nearly nearly a third of the entire population of the city. So you know we have good outreach, but people still need to turn up um, at, at the ballot boxes. And let's let's be blunt as well. There are some parties who benefit from lower turnout and and voter suppression. I'm horrified by some of the, you know, the legislation working its way through Westminster at the moment in terms of voter ID and, and whatnot. I think that is you know, anti-democratic and that will suppress exactly the, the type of voter who needs to participate in democracy to improve their own lot and who don't engage with democracy in, in great numbers already as it, as it is. As a council, there's a, there's a statutory responsibility on the council to um, see annual voter registration we we get ninety percent returns actually on on the on that canvassing in the main, that's positive. But then people still need to turn up at the ballot box, and I do think there's a little bit of taking personal responsibility as well, um, you know, as as active citizens. So I think that democracy relies on that. You reminded me to send back my uh, my letter to register to vote. Thank you very much. You. This is of course the first local government elections in Wales where sixteen and seventeen year olds will be able to vote. What kind of worker? Cardiff Council doing to engage younger voters now that they're allowed to vote for the first time? Uh, so there've been some specific campaigns. I don't know if you've seen them um, run in particular through through the, um, the through the youth service um, just to, to raise awareness and, and encourage participation and you know some some competitions around that as well. And I know that a number of schools are you know are doing particular targeted work as well. And I I, I imagine lots of local councillors will be very keen. Um, in the next few weeks to, to get into their secondary schools and do a talk about what it's like being a councillor and all the all the good stuff that they've done. So, um, yeah, there's a, there's a FIFA, FIFA programme underway. So we interviewed recently uh, Anthony Slaughter and, uh, and Rhys Abowin about the uh, Plaid and Green Common Ground Alliance. Uh, what, have you, what has your assessment been of, of this alliance and other opposition parties as we head into the election, do you think that they are ready to put up a good fight or are you confident of of, uh, of keeping hold of the authority after May? Uh, I'm absolutely taking nothing for granted, Matt, um, as you would expect me to do, and we will be fighting for, for every seat. And Welsh Labour, Cardiff Labour, I've got a really good story to tell in terms of um, what's been delivered, not, not just over the last five years, but actually over the last 10 years. Um, and I, you know, I could point you towards... Some real, real horror stories uh, in terms of the, the council that was inherited by the from the last Lib Dem Plaid administration in, in 2012. You know, in, in education, for example, and I think the council's moved on enormously since then. So, yeah, in terms of you asking about my, my assessment of the opposition, I largely don't tend to pay them much attention. I focus on the 
on what we're doing ourselves. But I, the the only active campaign I've seen from the uh, the Common Ground Alliance or, or whatever they're calling themselves has been in Llandaff North. Now, at the moment, you've got in Llandaff North a Labour councillor of um, you know who, who's from Bangladeshi origin and a young female councillor, and you've got a Common Ground Alliance of two two white men looking to replace them. That doesn't feel to me like uh, a new way of doing politics. Obviously, this is the first election now we're fighting under the new boundaries. What sort of impact has that had on your party's ability to organise? Is it has it given you new impetus or is it taken a little bit of adjusting to? I mean, I think we're, we're a bit frustrated, frankly, that it took so long to get the process done. Um, clearly impacted by COVID, so you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not complaining um, massively, but uh, it did mean that some selections were, were taking place later than I, I would have liked. I think it's really good that... Places like Butan and Grangetown um, have had, you know, their um, their number of councillors increased. We had a, you know, absolutely ridiculous situation in in Butan where you had a single councillor representing what eight eight thousand electors, and you compare that with other parts of Wales where a councillor can represent four hundred electors. So um, long overdue, um, but now fixed. Um, clearly, there's some growth in the north of the city as well. Um, which you know, which reflects the house building that's been going on there, you know, and 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 the labour. So it, I think those areas will be really interesting because you know, let's remember, most of the parties opposed the creation of those areas. So we'll 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 be interested to see how um, how those areas end, end up voting. But um, yeah, uh, you know, it's, it's all to play for, and I think the boundary commission ultimately got to a got to a sensible position. Okay, thank you very much for coming to talk to us. I'm going to leave you one nice big opportunity now to to sell. Uh, Cardiff Labour ahead of the elections. So I just want you to go through some of what you think have been your greatest achievements in your time as leader, and if there's anything you think you could have done better and will seek to improve on next time around. It's been an absolute absolute pleasure being being leader of the council. It's a, it's a, it's a job like no other, and, and it's it's a real position to get stuff done. Um, clearly, COVID has disrupted some of our work, and as you'd imagine, a lot of the focus of the last two years has been about protecting, you know. People in uh, in in real need, uh, and I'm and I'm immensely proud of the way the council, the council, and, and our staff responded to that um, need. I've, I've, I've said publicly, I'm sure you know the council has saved lives, um, just like the NHS over the last last two years. Um, but I think when I look particularly at the policies that we've we've delivered and the things that give give me um, most pride, probably the two standard areas is education and housing. So we're in the middle of probably the, the biggest rebuilding. Um, job of Cardiff schools that the city has ever seen, starting you know with schools, secondary schools in in the southern arc of the city, in particular the area with with the highest levels of deprivation, and we are creating you know beacons, frankly, of of educational excellence. You know, you look at Eastern High, you look at, at Cardiff West; these are places you know that a few years ago people did not want to go to that have now got competition because people want to get in and get to them because they see the change that we've made. Um, I visited Fitzalan last week um, for, the, for the topping out of the new school there, you know, and, and what a difference, you know, from a, from a building that is literally in danger of falling down to, you know, world-class modern, modern facilities. And there are, you know, three more schools, um, second, secondary schools already going through the process, um, you know, as, as part of what um, my administration has done over the last five years. And um, if we're elected, and you know, Welsh government, this this is um, in part a Welsh government program as well. The commitment is there to continue this work through other parts of the city. So that rebuilding work, alongside 
a focus on um, educational excellence. Like, like I mentioned, when Labour took over the council in 2012, education was on the verge of special measures. You know, um, Essen had, had been in for a full inspection in 2011, uh, and they were we were in Essen monitoring. Um, you know, re really dire stuff. A large number of schools in kind of the the, the, the red red categories. Um, we've just come out of an Essen inspection now, just before Christmas. Um, you know, a, a world of difference, um, and you know, really strong performance. Um, academically um, across across our schools as well, and that's because year on year we've given, you know, despite the funding challenges, we put more money into schools. We've delegated more money to schools. We've got the um, support mechanisms right in terms of, in terms of what the county provides, the local education authority provides into schools, and then we've invested in, in the school estate, like I was talking about as well. So a huge difference, and and no, no nothing captures that better for me than you know when you look at the numbers of kids. Um, leaving school at 16, what is their, their future progression? So under Lib Dem Plides, this is going back 15 years, but you had as many as one in 10 kids at 16 not leaving school without a destination into employment or, or educational training. That figure is now down to less than two in 100 under Labour. So that's a difference for me a Labour administration can make. And then there's the housing stuff, you know, um, We've built more council houses in the last two years than in the previous two decades. That's because, enabled by a Welsh Labour government, we took the decision to suspend right to buy and crack on and build council housing. So by the end of this calendar year, we will, over a course of five years, have built 1,000 council houses. Our ambition going into the next term is to build a further 1,500 and actually have the council itself operating as a developer in some of the cases where we also build private sector housing, uh, we sell that often on a on an affordable on an, on an affordable basis to um, first time buyers, but the profit then gets recycled to allow us to build more council housing. And we all know about the um, the pressures on the housing system, the people on the waiting list. There is no better solution to that than, than building houses, and that's what um, Labour in charge of Cardiff Council have done. And if we continue in charge of Cardiff Council, that's what we will do. Good, Thomas. Thank you very much for coming on. Jochen Marianne, thanks for having me. And if you've enjoyed what you've heard now or in any of our other episodes, please do not forget to find us on Twitter and Facebook at Pod, or on our brand new shiny website, www.walespolitics.com. Thank you for listening to Hereith. If you like what you heard, please don't forget to subscribe, rate and review.